Welcome to the Good Politics Podcast, presented by Lead Ethically. I'm your host, Dr. Jesse Benyon. On Good Politics, we explore what it means to lead well at this time, answering questions like, are good politics really possible? And what will it take to overcome this partisan divide and come together and lead well? You'll get insight into some of the most important issues in politics, government, and leadership today through the lens of a political science professor and lifelong politics nerd. You'll hear from real leaders in the trenches of state and local governments, nonprofits, and the private sector. While you might not see it on the news, there are thousands of stories of leaders choosing their communities over partisanship, ethics over power grabbing, and hope over cynicism. We want to tell their stories, the stories about the possibilities of good politics. Hi, everyone. So I am absolutely thrilled you are listening to episode two of the Good Politics podcast. Thank you so much for every comment. Just really like listening. I, I, I can't tell you what it means to me. Please share this if you think it's worthwhile. Please subscribe. If you see our podcast on pretty much any of the podcast apps, subscribe. And then also take a look around our website, leadethically.com. See what we're up to. I really, really appreciate you being here. So today I'm going to try to explain this moment. And I feel like this is going to be the beginning of a conversation that we will have really to try to explain what in the world is going on around here. I want us to think about the big picture at this time in our politics. I want us to think about what is affecting leadership right now. So I'm going to list off three things that I think are the most important kind of big things that are affecting our politics. And I feel like they work in tandem. They're certainly interrelated. And I want to list them off here. But just know that this isn't the last time you will be hearing about these issues. Number one, we have an issue with the nationalization of our politics. So what does that mean? Maybe you have heard that. And I'll just explain simply that the average American right now pays much more attention to what is happening nationally with politics than necessarily what is going on locally. So for instance, they probably know what the president is up to much more than they would know maybe what their local mayor is up to. So this is a change that political science has been able to track And certainly right now, the nationalization of politics creates all sorts of secondary issues, like how people vote and how people relate to their neighbor. So that's one issue. Another issue, polarization. Now, polarization, it can be anything from red versus blue to rural versus urban. One thing I want to focus on today and talk to you about is how people are so attached to their partisan identity. So when people used to possibly maybe vote for both Democrats and Republicans on their ballot, people are much less likely to do that. They are very attached to their partisan identity. This creates a lot of issues. One, it makes politics much more into an us versus them atmosphere. There is your in-group and then there is your out-group. And the way that people feel about their in-group versus the way people feel about the out-group, we are seeing that. And that has really worrisome effects on our politics. And then number three, I want us to consider the media. And I'm going to spend a little bit of time talking about kind of what the goal of our own media consumption should be. What is the media for? What is it supposed to do? But what has happened? We hear a lot about media bubbles echo chambers. We know about social media. We have seen how social media has affected politics, probably in our own lives. 
But political science thinks about the media in a very specific way. And it's really all about power, accountability, and the electoral process. But above all, there is this goal that most democratic countries want the media to assist in. And that is this idea of the fully informed citizen. So I don't know if I'm fully informed, but that is the goal. And I'd say that it's rarely realized. It is the goal. This idea comes from one of my favorite political science books by Shanto Iyengar called Media Politics, A Citizen's Guide. It is the book I assigned to my students in my media politics class at MSU. We will have that book in the show notes for any of you that want to get super nerdy and read all about it. But the news media is expected to do some things in a democracy. And number one, they're expected to create a media information environment. This is sometimes what we call the public sphere. This is where voters can encounter a variety of perspectives on issues that concern them. So we're, we're supposed to be able to encounter a variety of perspectives. So ask yourself, are we able to do that right now? And how do we do that right now? Number two in democratic societies, the news media is expected to provide an electoral forum for candidates to solicit support from voters. So as we are leading up to the 2024 election, we are going to talk a lot more about how candidates use the media and how the media allows candidates to really solicit support. And we're going to have a lot of discussions about the upcoming elections because it's really, really important. But number three, In democratic societies, the news media is also expected to act as an agent of the public by policing behavior. And this is where we get our watchdog task of the media. Really, citizens, normal people like you and me, we don't really have the resources to monitor the actions of our leaders on a daily basis. So we give that task to the media. And that is one of their main roles. A lot of the research on corruption and on transparency, there is a very important role that the media plays. So countries with free presses, they are always characterized with lower levels of corruption. So study after study shows this. But I want us to ask this question. Why is the fully informed citizen rarely realized? So I just told you what the media should do, but what's what's happening right now? We can't put this all on the media, right? The problems in our politics, there are many, many constraints. And it's not just because the media is doing something or people are only on their Facebook page, you know, and their echo chamber. There's something, there's other things going on. There are constraints. There are institutional constraints that we can go in to, you know, on a different episode. But I want to talk about the human-centered constraints. I would argue that we are up against human nature and we have to contend with this and we have to contend with our own role in this. So ordinary people, rightly so, are preoccupied with their own personal affairs. We have little time to keep up with public issues. And so for a lot of us, we just are not paying attention. And that's, that is an issue in and of itself. But there's something else that's happening. And maybe you relate more to this thing. And I certainly do, if I'm being honest. We're seeing more and more an extreme. There are people whose political views are so intense. We are so attached to our political party. We are fanatically partisan that we refuse to accept information that challenges our views. 
So this leads to a whole host of problems. This is one of the biggest kind of things that I can point to when I ask that question, what is going on right now? What we're seeing around us is a mistrustful citizenry. We don't trust things anymore. And that has devastating effects. When we're talking about the news, the way we consume it, there are people who just seek out information because they want it to reaffirm their views. And this is a very well-researched phenomenon that individuals, we innately prefer to consume media where our views are supported rather than opposed. We don't like to hear that we are wrong. We don't like to hear that the other side could be right. We want to be around like-minded people that encourage us. And so a lot of times, especially with social media platforms and with algorithms the way that they are, it produces these echo chambers. And it makes us very distrustful of people that we consider outside of our social groups. So this leaves us in kind of a sorry state. And this is kind of really where I want us to think about where we are right now in our politics. I believe we have weakened civic capacity because of this. And we have a weakened democracy. I research in my own personal political science world, I research a lot about local trust. The trust factor is what I call it. So in my research, which is usually on rural Montanans or Montana voters in general, I have noticed in my interviews and in my focus groups that there is a severe distrust of institutions outside of the community. So that can be anything from institutions in D.C. to institutions such as the media to just really anything outside of the community. So there is a local trust that people are craving. And I learned this by listening to people really talk about politics all over the state. I listened to people in Miles City, in Phillipsburg, in Shoto, to Colstrip, to Helena, to Hamilton, to Billings, to Missoula, to Great Falls, etc. There is a mistrust and that can be anything from the media. And I also heard from the lips of my fellow Montanans that they are very aware of the polarization that I talked about. They're very aware of the nationalization of politics, of the urban versus rural divide, of red versus blue. People know this is going on. So I would offer that there is something we can do on on a local level. As far as it comes to media, we should consume and take in media that covers local issues. In the coming weeks, I will spend a lot of time talking to the people that are doing this work of journalism, that are telling these local stories. So we will find out how we can find this news. And I'm sure some of you have your favorites too. But the other thing I want to leave us today is we have to be clear-eyed about what is happening around us. Because most of us are, I think, most, most of us probably who are listening right now, who are listening to a podcast called Good Politics, you're wondering what can we do to make this better? And so I want to leave us with some things that we can reflect on today especially for us who work in institutions that are trying to meet the needs of this time. Are our institutions meeting those needs? If not, what are some changes that we can bring to our work? I know in my own work, one of my main goals, besides teaching about government and about politics, I really want to understand how can we get along? It's as simple as that. I want my students to get along, and I want to understand what my role is in all of this. So I've come up with kind of a personal motto or 
I would say, my personal approach to politics at this time. And I'm going to tell you about it now, but you can take some time and kind of reflect on what yours could be, depending on your situation and where you work and your time constraints and everything else that we have as human beings. But here is my personal approach. It's something that I call intellectual humility. You're going to hear a lot about it. You're going to hear me say that word a lot, but I really, really believe in it. So I'll tell you, I am a recovering know-it-all. And I, maybe like you, went to study politics in college and had really big opinions and feelings about the way things should be. And I still have feelings and opinions about the way that things should be. But at that time, I was a know-it-all. And I've realized in the ensuing years that I need to be more open. I need to change my posture. So intellectual humility for me means being open to facts, being open to nuance, and being open to the fact that I will get it wrong. And I probably will get it wrong today, and I will keep on getting it wrong. But to know that I'm going to get it wrong, and what do I do after that? I'm a human being, and I have the same exact psychological underpinnings as everyone else. So everything I just talked about, how human beings, you know, like news that reinforces their own views, I'm a human being. So I have that too. So I need to be aware of that. I want to know how I can be more open, how to change my mind. And I think that deciding to be open to being wrong and to being open to change is, is something that will, will take us far in our politics. And finally, I want to keep listening. We have to do this work together. And so I'm going to listen to a lot of people when I bring them on this podcast, and I'm going to ask them, what am I getting wrong about politics? Can you help me understand how we can do this together, how we can have better politics together? We've come to the favorite portion of the show, Jesse's recommendations. <laughs> anyway, so I'm, I, if you can hear, I'm wrestling around with this giant book that I'm going to recommend to you today. If you have uh, followed any of like the literary world, this will come as no surprise to you. This is a much lauded book recommendation that I think you should uh, give your time to. It is Demon Copperhead by Barbara King Solver, winner of the Pulitzer Prize. So highly recommend this book. I have spent some time trying to figure out the rural-urban divide in this country. That's what I wrote my dissertation on, really focusing in on rural political attitudes. But this book is fascinating, number one, when it when it, it grapples with these bigger questions. It is about Appalachia, which is a, a region where that I'm still learning about. Not only is it so timely, it is also just beautifully written. And I cannot recommend it enough, even purely on the writing. It sucks you right in. It is a beautiful, heart-wrenching read. Highly recommend it. Take some time to read it. Maybe listen to it on audio. That's another fun thing that I like to do these days, especially when I'm spending a lot of time in the car. I, I'm doing a lot of audiobooks as well. But I did actually read this. I have the physical book right here that you probably hear me wrestling around with. Again, it's called Demon Copperhead by Barbara Kingsolver, winner of the Pulitzer Prize. It is absolutely fantastic. All right, everyone, thanks so much for listening. And I hope you have a wonderful day, whatever you may be doing. Thanks for tuning into the Good Politics Podcast. 
If you'd like to learn more about ethical leadership or join a group of leaders helping their communities thrive, head over to leadethically.com to join our digital community. Until next time, lead well.